Hi, this is your man JT Live right here on the Smoker Section Podcast. Coming to you live from outside, man. We doing our thing today. Y'all know how it is, man. There's a lot of stuff going down today with um, the riots that's going on around our nation's cities. And we have people out there looting. And I'm, I'm just praying that everybody be safe out there. It's a, it's a tough um, tough situation that's going on in our society today. But today, I have a very special show for you. Um, and it's, it's, it's near and dear to me because it speaks to the George Floyd situation. It speaks to me as an African-American man. And I'm here today with my sons who will be giving their perspective on what they think and what they thought about the George, George Floyd situation and what they think about what's going on in our society today. And so I have, I'll just go around and introduce them, but then I'll let them introduce themselves as they go uh, through. I have uh, Jalen Thomas here, who's a uh, graduate of the University of Wisconsin in Eau Claire, uh, Wisconsin. He's also featured on CNN with a um, with a protest that happened up in Wisconsin. So um, he had a lot of great things to say about racial issues. We know Eau Claire, Wisconsin, is actually close to uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis. So uh, we have him here today with us. Also, we have Justin Thomas. Uh, here today, and I'm interested in his his perspective on what uh, was taking place today. And then I have my youngest, Jeremy Thomas, here, and and so uh, these these young men are very astute, very intelligent, and and I'm just curious as to their thoughts on on the George Floyd situation and the riots that are taking place uh, in our society today. Um. If you want to like our page, you can like our Facebook page, The Smoking Section Podcast. So make sure you tune in. Uh, Next Thursday, we'll be doing a live Zoom town hall meeting for African-American men. So make sure that you get in on our page and and you watch it. Uh, We have a group of distinguished uh, black men that will be talking about issues facing African-American men. So check us out on The Smoking Section Podcast Facebook page next Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure you get in with us. We're broadcasting from outside, so if you hear the birds, it's peaceful. Things are chirping. We're just kind of relaxing. So without further ado, gentlemen, Jalen, talk about yourself, Justin, then Jeremy. Well, you know, um, I'm Jalen. Uh, I'm the oldest, and uh, I am a college graduate, and I don't... You know, we didn't have, I did protests up in my school. It was more of a, I don't want to call it a hate crime, but it's something very similar where some white male students from the football team pretty much tried to mock our black male empowerment, which is a professional development group that we have on campus that I was the vice president of. And they tried to mock our meeting by calling themselves having a white male empowerment meeting. I don't know. Um, It was very disrespectful to us. So we decided to take a stand and have a peaceful protest on campus. Um, We wanted, I guess, more severe punishments for the young men, even though they really only got a slap on the wrist because of how bad even the University of Wisconsin um, school system is. Uh, They have certain things in line where they don't have hate crimes, I guess, or hate speech into implement it into the uh, disciplinary pr- 
process. So we we couldn't get really major discipline for the students. And I think that's that's something that we've seen throughout America over the hundred of years that there's always well especially now that there's always something that happens if a cop is arrested, you know, they want that to be what is a good thing, okay he was arrested, but what comes after it is right. they can be dismissed, the charge can be dismissed, they can be found not guilty. So I think them just arresting the officer who was involved with the George Floyd case is not enough. Um, I think the charges need to be up the lot from third degree murder to first degree murder, which it was. And I think that they need to arrest the remaining three officers who was also on the scene. Yeah. And, and, and you just talked about what happened at your university right before you graduated. And so here's the thing. You talked about a slap on the wrist, but we know that's been what white America has gotten a slap on the wrist instead of a harsh punishment. Those young men who did that should have been expelled from the university, period, point blank. There's really no exception for the pictures that they showed. I remember them having a Klan picture yes, and yes. talking about the white men empowerment meeting. We know what that's about. That's intimidation. Those are those are terroristic acts that we just kind of let roll over. But now you have this George Floyd situation that has kind of just exploded. Now everybody wants to get on this bandwagon talking about uh, the deconstruction of racism. And so... You know, that seemed it seemed small to them, the university, but look at it now. And so how that exploded. So, Justin, I, I just want you to talk about how you feel about the George, how you feel about the George Floyd situation and what's going on across the country. Um, it's, it's difficult to just see it. I mean, it happens, you know, but it's hard to see it because even though we know we get discriminated against and that we're targeted as a group of people, it's hard, you know, to just sit there and watch, you know, somebody of your skin color get killed because of their skin color. And for us to be of that same skin color, it hurts because we constantly have a target on our back. But I don't think that we can just sit here and just let that happen. We have to fight back. And I think that these riots and protests is a, is a form of fighting back. And, you know, the looting, I mean, sometimes it's getting out of hand. But I just feel like that if if the cop didn't if, if the cop didn't kill George Floyd, then none of this wouldn't be happening. So it's it's a chain effect because you you killed him. Now it's riots all across the country, and you can't blame nobody but that officer who killed George Floyd. And and I hope he gets charged with first degree murder because it, that's what it was. He was kneeling on his neck purposely. He he had no intent of letting him go off that ground. He had him in handcuffs. He was no threat to him, and he kept his knee on his neck. That is murder. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I can't. I just can't even describe it. Like it, it's. That it was murder. So I mean, that's my opinion on it. I mean, I've. I've seen racism. Racism before. I've dealt with it before. I just remember when we was in Eau Claire. I think for Jalen's first football game when he was in college there, mm-hmm. and we was at the pool. And drunk white man. It don't matter if he was drunk or sober. He called us n words. Me. Jeremy and my cousin we were all in the pool and granted you was right there and he didn't get away with it I mean, you didn't hurt him but still it, it set him straight it was like people always watch you no matter where you are and racism was at my school last year these three students black face on their face you know it just it happens and they claim they didn't know what it was but you know I mean, you can't, I mean, you have to know what blackface is. I mean, that's no excuse. Ignorance is not an excuse, so you have to know that type of stuff. And their parents should definitely be teaching them about that stuff and stuff they should and should not do. 
So that's yeah. my whole thing, you know. Yeah, and that's that's interesting. And I remember that situation when we were in, in Wisconsin, and and the white man, the white man didn't see me, but he was walking in the hallway and he used the N word to refer to you all. And I just happened to come out, and I told him, and his other friends ran away from him. He was there with his wife, and and I told him, I said, today is your lucky day. I said, because anybody else, you might have been crushed. You might have been knocked down. They don't care if you're drunk or not. And his wife basically was pleading for his life. She didn't want me to, to, to knock him out, but I wasn't going to do that uh, because you have to use common sense. You have to know where you are. You know, we were in Wisconsin, and I wasn't trying to go to jail in Wisconsin. But, you know, besides the fact, it could have happened. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you have to look at those things. I, I will say this. George Floyd's death didn't go in vain so you know as a result of it and he went you know they murdered him how they did it it was very cruel very vicious but as a result hopefully uh some change happened now to my youngest jeremy thomas i'm curious to hear uh, your perspective on this because i know you are you are very militant as as a young african-american uh man male um growing up and uh course i don't i don't have any problems with that at all but i want you to kind of elaborate on what happened uh in minnesota um my name is jeremy thomas and uh i'm a freshman in high school um so my take on it is like i feel like it was really like I feel like the policeman, he, he knew what he was doing. And like, George Floyd, he was telling him that he couldn't breathe, you know, and he, he, he just stood there with his knee on his neck. And I feel like it's like, that shouldn't be charged as third degree murder. I feel like it should be charged as first degree because, and I, and I, I see a problem with it because America doesn't see a problem with him kneeling on George Floyd's, George Floyd's neck. And but they see a problem with Colin Kaepernick taking a kneel during the national anthem, and I don't, you know, I don't understand that at all. I feel like it's really unfair. And me, um, ever since like fifth grade, I've never stood for the Pledge of Allegiance because you know I knew what it really was, and I feel like the words that was said in the pledge, like it wasn't true. Like it's not justice for all, you know. So like. Yeah, and I remember my sixth grade teacher asking me why I did it, and I told him, and you know, he agreed with me. So, yeah, um, I feel like me being a young black man, I'm gonna have to deal. I'm gonna always have a target on my back, and I'm gonna have to deal with stuff when I get older. I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry a black woman, and I'm gonna have black children. So, I'm gonna just have to prepare myself for that. Yeah. You know? And that's that's very important. So, how do you prepare yourself for that? I mean, that's a, that's a great question because, as 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 a young man growing up in this society, you've seen some semblance of racism. Of course, we haven't seen a lot of the racism that that took place, like back when our ancestors, your grandmothers and great grandmothers, and all those people were coming through. But what are some of the things that you're going to do to prepare yourself? Well. Here's, here's the thing. I think one thing that he could do or that we all can do is just 
continue to further educate ourselves and educate the youth and the next generation. I mean, he will have children one day and he will need to educate them. Like, not not just on the um, injustices that happened, that happened, but also on the history of our people and where they came from and what they have to endure for us to be where we are. I think that's very important for them to know and very important for them to understand what can happen because of the color of their skin and, you know, things of that nature. Well, just just really quick, my nephew just stepped in, so I'll, I'll introduce him and I'll, I'll give him an opportunity to uh, come in and speak. And he's also a graduate of the University of Wisconsin in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And, and we, as I mentioned before, that's close to, uh, to Minnesota. So, um, Carlos, you want to step in? You want to say something? Um, We're talking about the George Floyd. We're talking about the reaction to it, how you feel about it, how has it impacted you? Um, I guess for me, it just gave me a, a second to step back and think about how I can use my position at the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire as a high school football coach and educate the youth um, not even just um, our youth of color our black youth but youth in general because my thing is with all the systemic racism and personal racism that we've seen um, during this time it's important for us to reach out to those people's children and children that may have those privileges and don't understand that they have that privilege and educate them on how they can use that to become allies or to help people of color in times like this and moving forward into the future. Mm-hmm. Wait. So what was the question that you, uh, well, the little, yeah, what he was saying? Well, about we're talking the, about how do you, how you like prepare, like, how the, would you prepare your children okay. to deal with um, situations like that? Of racism. Of racism. America. I'll let them know at a young age, like five. I think, I think five. You just sit them down, tell them briefly about it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to just. I want to teach my kids, but I want to make the process. So I just don't want to lay it all on a five-year-old because that's not a smart idea because they're probably not gonna remember all of it. But I mean, if you constantly tell them, you know, like every once in a while, and then like once they get older, like my age, or you know, a little bit younger, like seventh, eighth grade, then that's when you sit down and tell them, like, listen, like. We're not the same as, you know, other races. Like, we, we have targets on our back. So, you get pulled over by the police and, you know, you know we shouldn't have to do this, but, you know, got to be polite. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, you, you, you can't be angry because that'll just give them a reason, you know, to, to be angry back. And, 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 you know, you have to just let them know, like, it's, it's different levels to it. And, and black people are, are discriminated against in this country and we're oppressed still. So... I just believe that you have to let them know, and hopefully, you know, by the time I have kids, that it'll be, it'll be mass changes. Yeah. But you know, there's no promises to that, so you still have to teach your kids about all of that stuff. Because even if it is a mass change, there's there's not a, there's not a, uh, a definite saying that it will change. So. Yeah. You know, I just think that you always have to teach the next generation, even about the history of black people, because. Even if it's not happening to them at, a, at at their age, it's like you still have to know because if we don't know, then history was doomed to repeat itself. So we always have to, you know, like we have to learn, teach our kids what we've learned as a young, like as young. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what? And yeah, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, 
I feel like you have to teach them about all of the history because they're not teaching it in schools. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like you being a black parent, you know, you have to teach them about their culture's history. And, yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things with history, and, and I think this is very important, our history, American history, includes us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times when you get the history books and you see the history books and they talk about slavery and the enslaved Africans during that time, they only they only show you very, just pictures of it. But we don't know the horrors of it. We don't know the business of chattel slavery. We don't know the economics. We don't know how racism started. And so people, people don't know those things. So therefore, like Collins, he mentioned, you know, about educating people. You have to be able to tell the whole truth. See, if people were told the whole truth, we would have these issues. But we have systemic racism. You know, that's a system that's been put in place to divide us and keep us apart. But it was it was a humanistic thing that happened to George Floyd. A humanistic thing. This man begged for his life. This man asked for his mother. His mother has passed away. So think about that. Just think about being in that situation with somebody with their knee on your neck. And he's asking for his mother who is deceased. That is powerful. That lets you know that he felt in his in his last despair, he had to go to somebody in a spiritual way that wasn't even here anymore to try and save him. That's the deepness. And then you had that murderous cop. With his knee on his neck and put his hands in his pocket. And he's standing there with a superiority type complex. That's deep. And that's a that's a hatred that we should never have to endure ever again. So that's why the riots are happening. I could care less about a Macy's that's going to reopen in two months. I could care less about some of these other places that's going to reopen soon. A man lost his life and there's been numerous situations where law enforcement has been used as a as a as a weapon to to suppress black people. And this is not the first time. This has happened before. You had the Black Panthers. Fred Hampton, they came in and shot him up in his bed. 18, 19 years old. While he was asleep. We've had numerous situations of our our you we talk about bloodshed happening. And they're complaining about these riots. But bloodshed has been happening. Our blood, our ancestors' blood, and our blood today is spilled all over this country. It's spilled all over this country. And I refuse to let anybody dumb down what just happened to the rioters. That's crazy. I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna even accept that that uh that theory. Because guess what? That's just a response. That's a natural response. Yeah, it's looting happening. What do you think is going to happen? Communities are deprived. They're depressed. They feel people. These are opportunistic things for people to do. That's what's happening. There's a science behind this. So, yeah. One of you all mentioned that if it wasn't for George, I think Justin, you mentioned him putting his necks on his knee on George's neck. None of this would ever happen. But, man, it opened up a can of worms. So now we all the dice are on the table. Now we got to deal with it. Now we got to deal with it. Let's deal with it. I'm seeing on TV everybody talking about black people and systematic, and all these white people coming out. They weren't saying nothing two weeks ago. 
But now you're hearing everybody want to save black people. Everybody, look, we're going to see if you do it now. We're going to see if you eliminate the systematic racism, the hiring of people at their jobs. Highly qualified African Americans don't get the right job. See, this is how you get rid of racism. You got two people qualified for a job, one more qualified. And this goes for women too. But you give it to the Caucasian man who's less qualified and less knowledgeable. So let's see if you can get rid of those, that systemic racism. Because see, that's what racism is about. Power and control. Not about color. That's not the color. Race, they, they mean racism. They were racing to something. Racing to get that power. Racing to get that money. But now we got people who are saying to us, hey, let's, let's put it all. It's, it's all race-based. It's color-based. No, 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 no. Power and control. Thoughts? Any thoughts on anything? Carlos? Yeah, I got a thought. Go ahead. Um, I'm glad you just spoke about that power and control um, because I was just talking to some of the guys when we were here on Claire, and I was saying that everybody, once once all of this writing is done and the verdict comes out and whatever the case may be, when it's not a situation like a George Floyd getting killed, when it's not a cop killing a black unarmed man in the streets, what are we doing for our people? What are we doing to, to try to overcome this systemic racism? And my thing is everybody wants to point to the political piece of it, you know, and that's a major piece. Let, let us get into some positions of power and policy writing, but what about black people getting into history so we can teach our own history and changing the curriculum and uh, academia? What about um, people getting into the, the upper ends of the retail world, the Walmarts, and let those be run by black people, you know, and because, like you said, that it's, it's about controlling the power but you also that power comes from controlling the resources mm -hmm. and our resources is we retail shop we got to go to school um and we got to find a way to keep our money within our community so that means black owned banks and things like that so we don't necessarily have to go to the heights of becoming you know the next black president or the next black congressman or whatever the case may be and if that's your dreams go forward but there's so much things we can do under that that can affect us and our community immediately and right now. Mm -hmm. And that's my thoughts on that. And it's funny uh, you mentioned, like, the schools because on Facebook I've seen a post asking when's the first time you had your black first black teacher. And I was, you know, I thought about it. I, obviously I had it when I lived in the city. I had all black teachers up until the third grade. And once I moved to the suburbs, I didn't see another black teacher until high school. Mm -hmm. And after that, I think I had one black professor in college. So that's right. a total of like four or five black teachers throughout my whole entire life. And I think that's one thing that really affected me well when I was living in the city is that I had black teachers because they were able to understand. And I would say that in the suburbs, not all of my white teachers, because I had some really nice ones who helped and understand, but I did have a few that you could tell did not really enjoy teaching black kids as much you know they were they will harp more on what the black students did than what the uh, other students did not even just white just other students the black students would be of more getting more trouble i would say than the white students so i think that's a significant thing that's missing from uh the community yeah well that's that's definitely and and justin i'll go to you then jeremy will come to you that's that's something that's definitely missing. You good? That's something that's definitely missing um, in our educational system is us. 
I didn't see my first black teacher to fifth grade. That's the first time I saw one. So I had Caucasian teachers all the way up through until high school. You know, then you saw a lot more. But, you know, changing the way things are taught. Because, see, now you have to really delve into, you know, now you're dealing into some meat and potatoes. Because you got to teach teachers how to teach. And they have to be able to teach that history correctly. Yeah. You know, it can't be... Ooh, slavery. Ooh, that that ah, I can't I can't deal with that issue. That just too that hurts me too much. I'm embarrassed. No, we need to know about that. We just like you learn about the Holocaust in your schools, mm-hmm. you need to learn about slavery, chattel slavery, the same way because it was just as horrific, it more even more so horrific, you know. And and as it came across the transatlantic, the slave trade it was it was it was horrific thing that we kind of dumbed down. All that happened in the past. No, we need to remember what happened in the past so we know where we're going in the future. And and I think that in schools, like me and Carlos worked at a school in Eau Claire, uh, middle school, and during Black History Month, you know, they had the typical Martin Luther King's and the Rosa Parks pictures up, and mm-hmm. didn't they, like, say a fact every day, or was it something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. And they would say a fact, but they didn't really dive into the meat and potatoes of, like, the slavery. So they don't talk about the hard times or on any of that thing they just really talk about the certain good people that's been talked yeah. about in history the easy yeah easy history yeah. yeah and I think because that's 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 true because I've learned I've learned I've, I've heard teachers talk about the Holocaust countless times countless times I've heard teachers talk about the Holocaust the Holocaust this the Holocaust that which it was devastating yes the Holocaust was devastating but Teachers are so afraid to touch on the subject of slavery that happened for centuries, mm-hmm. not 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 decades, centuries. Like centuries, that's a part of history. Right. A reoccurring event that happens for centuries—that's history. You know, like yeah, the Holocaust is history, but it only happened for so long. Mm-hmm. But 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 black slavery, you know, enslaved you know enslaved Africans, you know, we that happened over a, a huge course of time. And I don't. And if I was to ever become a teacher. And we were touching up on on slavery. I wouldn't just touch up on it, you know. I would actually go deep. I would actually commit myself into that lesson more than any other lesson, because that's what students need to learn about. Yeah. White kids, young white kids, if they learn about all the bad things that their ancestors did. Maybe they wouldn't grow up racist, you know. Like maybe they would grow up with some knowledge and like, you know what? I can't do this because it would offend a group of people, or you know, I can't say this or that. You know, it educates not just black people, but it educates white people. Right. Because they would know. Okay, these are my limits, these are my boundaries, and I will have to grow up with some morals and not just say things freely and do things freely. So I think that I think that black history is powerful and I think that's what they're afraid of because black history can teach a lot of people about a lot of things. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest issue. You're absolutely spot on with that, Justin. I think that's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things is their fear of knowledge and people waking up. And you seeing that right now play out. You know, you have the anarchy groups you had those other those groups are really anti-government antifa yeah yeah and, and so they they know these things they're and they a terrorist see, group now apparently they're well they're not terrorist group they, 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 no they're, they're designated labeled it. they yeah. label them as a terrorist well of group. course the, the president is going to do that yeah. he he was he wasn't quick to to label the ku klux klan down the charlottesville terrorists so you know but jeremy what's your thoughts um my first year of high school i had four of my seven teachers were black so like I remember in the beginning of the year, um, my English teacher, it wasn't even Black History Month or nothing. We were like, I think it was uh, something about the Montgomery boycott. Yeah. And we were touching on that, but it was like, 
it was tied into like literature. So we had to, you know, annotate it and all that. And then my Spanish teacher, um, we learned about like African American Hispanic history and all that. So like I feel like me having those those black teachers, like, especially being at school in the suburbs, it like it really helped. And I did have black teachers in the past, but throughout middle school I had mostly white teachers. So, you know, just having teachers that's like able to relate to that, you know, it's it was good. And I wanna say something about the um the riots. Uh, I want to point out a quote from Nelson Mandela. It says, uh, when a man is denied the right to live the life he believes in, he has no choice but to become an outlaw. Mm. And, you know, I feel like that, you know, that really point, you know, it really like, it really points to it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, Those yeah. are some heavy and, words. And it was like, I, I remember watching the news um, when down in Minneapolis, when, um, and they were burning down the police station, the police department. And they were just, they kept constantly talking about how they need to find uh, charges and put these people that are out here rioting in jail because they're burning down all these buildings. But, you know, look, look what they're doing to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, they, they're not, they weren't paying attention to the bigger picture, you know. And yeah, well, obviously they wasn't paying attention to the bigger picture. They allowed the police officer to stay out for almost a week without arresting him. The other three have not been arrested yet, which is why here here's. But in Collins, this is to, to your point almost exactly. The state of Minnesota has a black attorney general. There is no way as a self-respecting black man. And I don't care about being reelected for another term. There is no way that you're not supposed to hammer these charges down on him. Period, point blank. You're supposed to hammer it on all of them. Have them, make sure that they're arrested. Get them out of here. State's attorney, whatever. I don't know if he's attorney general, state's attorney, whatever. He should have said, man, because I heard him trying to deflect on television. Well, these charges and they can get off. No, they can't. You put the charges on them. And you make sure it doesn't get off. See, that's where we lose it. And that's where when we're in these positions of authority... Well, we should lay the hammer down and not be so concerned about, okay, am I going to get reelected for it again? See, history, history, and, and especially with Colin Kaepernick, think about Muhammad Ali. He was a rebel, quote unquote. He was against the status quo. And so fast forward 30, 40 years later, everybody loves Muhammad Ali. Everybody loves Martin Luther King, but they didn't love him when they were protesting. They didn't love him when they were doing their things. Colin Kaepernick, just three, four years ago, took a knee. Now everybody's saying, man, we now we know how he was taking that knee. Now we know why he was down like that. So now he, he looks like a genius when something he was doing peacefully, now it's turned into somewhere it's violent now. So this is, this is very important, and I would employ to you all. When you all get in positions of power, you all own businesses, you stand on your blackness. Period, point blank. Don't let nobody uh, talk you down or, or intimidate you. You play chess with them. It's chess, not checkers. That's for sure. But you stand on your blackness as a, as a black man and face all this. We ain't scared of nobody. Let's just get that wrong. For the people out there that's listening to this podcast, we ain't scared of nobody. So let me just put that out here. We don't fear anybody but God. But we're we not going to just, in this day and time, police officers, those ones that are out there that are corrupt, 
those brothers out there that, that are the good ones, you need to check them. Lay all that stuff down, man. I saw the black woman, police officer in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> He was getting out of control, antagonizing. The, now, this sure. white police officer, right. White police officer out there antagonizing people. He's going out there trying to bully people around. She told him to get your butt, get back. Get out of here. Because you up here antagonizing, so you want to you have bloodshed? You want to fight? It's a mentality, man. You see it. It's a bully. You saw your president yesterday. This is the president of the United States. People were peacefully protesting. And he pushed them all the way back. Tear gassed them and bullied them out of the way so he could do a photo op at a church with a Bible that he held up. That was remnants of Adolf Hitler. This guy's a puppet, but this is what we're dealing with now. You went from a president that a black president that was highly just think about it. A black president that was highly intelligent to a, a, a straight out bigoted racist in a matter of twelve years. Think about that. What can we do next? And Carlos, you alluded to it. I want to try to kind of go around because we have the riots now, but right now we need to be we need to be in strategic mode. So, what should be our plans moving forward? Um, before I answer that question, I want to go back to the question you asked about how do we teach our kids mm-hmm. this, and I think you just said it. And regardless of regardless of the history that we teach, because even for the the oppression, the history of oppression of black people has changed over the course of time. It went from slavery to lynching to Jim Crow to mass incarceration and now to police brutality. And I think the biggest thing is to teach my son and my daughters to stand on your blackness. Don't be don't don't be scared of anything. Don't fear anybody and always be confident in your in your skin color. Cause, That's right. Because it, it's in our DNA at this point that we are survivors. Everything that's been thrown at us and we're still out in this in this country that don't even want us here prospering. That's right. We had a Regardless of anything, we had a, a black president in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. The, the, the highest position in the world was a black man from inner city Chicago. That, that, that's just speak value to, to where we, what we can do when we put our mind on something and don't let anybody change us off our course. Mm-hmm. And I think back to this question on what we can do next, and I think it, is, it just comes all, all down to strategy. We can't let, we can't let you know, anxiety and emotions control our next move now once once whatever the verdict come out as i think personally if he doesn't get convicted it'll get worse um yeah, oh yeah. i think it'll get worse i don't know how i don't know what that worse looks like because burning buildings and looting and rioting <laughs> is what we've seen so far in history but i don't know what worse looks like it could potentially become a revolution you know and things like that but i think it's time for even our black leaders to sit down um, with the general population of African Americans, and come up with a plan. How do we, how do we infiltrate the system? How do how do we get to this next level as opposed to always playing from behind? How do we get ahead now? Right. And, and we beat them at their own game. Like you said, we got to play chess with them now. That's right. Because the president, like you said, he came out and he tear gassed and pushed back just so he can look good on social media. So how do we get ahead of that? Mm. You know, how do we already how we already prepare for these things? And I think. With Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and those, those, those fighters, they were prepared for what what was going to happen. They had already strategized what's the worst that can happen, what's the best thing that can happen before they even went into action. And I think right now we have young people, especially 
who don't really understand our history because it's not taught are acting off impulse. Right. You know, we, we acting off impulse. We're going off social media, what looks cool, what's this. But now it's time to sit back and say, all right, how do we take a real stand? Get ahead of this so we don't face this again. So we don't have to get to this point again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just jump ahead. So now they're paying catch up with us. Right. You know, that's right. Excellent. That's an excellent point. Go ahead, Justin. Um, yeah. So we've got their attention. I think with all these, with all the riots and protests, we finally got their attention. So I think it's time that, you know, like, like Kyle said, we have to use our voice and not just the general voice, but you know, the, the political voice. So we need those, we need those Oprah's, we need those Will Smith's, we need those, we need those J. Cole's, all those guys, you know, step up and, and, and push this agenda with us. That's right. Cause if, if, if we can get not only the general population to do it, but the but the but the celebrity population to do it, you know, especially somebody like Oprah, she has a lot of influence in, in in the world. Oprah has a lot of influence, you know. So I think that if she can push it, everybody can push it, and I think that we can start a new era, you know, something like the Black Panthers, you know, you know, we need another voice because you know we kind of we kind of lost you know the Black Panther ways a, a little you know a little bit. So I think that if we can find our way back to that and then move forward with it, you know, move move forward with it, I think that we can get really far in, in America, you know. If we can, if we can, you know, instead of just, you know, because every, every situation we can't resolve with the riot. So, you know, if we can use our voice, the voice is more powerful because right. knowledge is power. So if we have that knowledge, then they can't, you know they can't manipulate us like they've been able to over the past century. So yeah, yeah. Well, we those, just gotta. Those days are definitely over with yeah. of, of the manipulation for a lot of people. And I, you know, it's funny, and, and I'll get to Jalen, and I'll get to um, to Jeremy. <clears throat> I, w- I was talking to um, your auntie earlier, your aunt Catherine. She's seen a few riots throughout her lifetime, and she said that um, when she was talking to some kids. When, when Barack Obama was uh, elected as president and she said the kids thought they that racism was over. They said, oh, racism is over. It's a new day. You know, we got a black president. We all good. And she said, she told them, she said, no, it ain't over by far. They just disguise the way they do it now. So, and that was powerful coming from her and she's seen it all. But, you know, that, that statement, we have to be able to realize that that even if change happens in this particular era, there's another avenue that they'll go through. And we have to be prepared to say, you know what? Nah, you slipped through there, but guess what? We got you here too. We're going to expose you. This is racist and this is what's going on and we need to stop it. You know, um, so that's very important. Jalen? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not entirely sure how do we change it in the whole because... Uh, I mean, hundreds of years, we've seen that the oppression has changed through different ways, as Carla said. It went from, you know, slavery, from Jim Crow's to lynching to mass incarceration, where it's always been police brutality, and mass incarceration has always been a thing as well. So I don't know how we can change for, for... for the better for our people, but I do agree with what he said, and which and where we need to have improved the black businesses in our communities. That means getting other people out of our communities first. And like you alluded to years ago, I remember you told me when you were working at the YMCA, 
and they will have those community meetings about you know what business to bring into the community yep. and there will be no people of the community at the town or the committee meetings to vote yep. down those businesses so they would just get passed through yep. and I think that needs to change I don't think people are for one hearing enough about those meetings to come out and I don't think they really care as much as well but I think that needs to change and if we can get black businesses in the community and for people to actually support it that's the most important part because how do we get people to support businesses when they've been buying this for this amount of time and they've been buying that for this amount of time and also you know when you're a new business in town or even a business at all and you're not a multi-million dollar business yet things are going to be a little bit more expensive and people look at more expensive things and tend to not want to buy them I guess sometimes especially when they're not name brand so I think is to harp on us and for us is a huge thing because we see other biz, other um, nationalities that are heavy into their own and you don't really see that with us and I think that's something that just needs to change tremendously for for any type of step to be taken for us to try to take that leap I guess we definitely need to play chess but a part of playing chess is for us to unify I mean back in the 60s they unified when what happened when Rosa Park happened everybody boycotted the buses right. everybody stopped nobody it wasn't just certain people said well I need to get to work so I'm just going to take the bus this time everybody stopped and didn't do it if we can have that type of unification within our own then I think that could be a huge step into change like it did in the 60s mm-hmm. very good Jeremy um, I feel like to change you have to like you have to open up you know opportunities for these young black people to learn you know, like um, like camps and school clubs, you know, stuff like that, to give them opportunities to learn about the black history because it's not being taught in school. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like that that will make a, a big change So, and it will raise awareness, you know, so they know what's going on in the world. And um, I want to piggyback off of what Kyla said about Donald Trump, about him wanting to look good on social media. I feel like it's a lot of, not only just Donald Trump, but it's a lot of white people right now who's, you know, using these videos, like, to j- just for just for them to look good. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like they don't, they don't genuinely feel that way. You know, I feel like they just, they just reposting the videos and reposting everything just to, you know, and they, they wipe their sweat off their, off their forehead after they do it, you know. And it's like they don't genuinely feel that way, like yeah. I said. So like I feel like it's just for them to, for their image to look good. Yeah, and let me just say here, I'll just give you a little thing. There's some white people who are genuinely concerned, mm-hmm. and you you made an excellent point here. They post a video and they wipe the sweat off their face because they feel like they've done something. You know, they feel like they've contributed to the cause. When in actuality, they feel that way, but they're scared mm-hmm. because. It's not on us, really, to stop racism. It's on them to stop racism yeah. because they're in control of it. It's on us to fight against it, but it's not on us to change it. They have to make the change. And so, like I tell a lot of my uh, white friends, hey, the best thing you can do is tell your white friends not to be racist. The best thing, well, bigoted. 
uh, with their in hiring positions, don't discriminate against black people because of their skin tone. That's the best thing that they can do. You see what I'm saying? You, we, we gonna take care of ourselves. We, we'll be all right. Like Colin said, we've, we've sustained. I mean, look at the Native Americans. They're almost non-existent in our country. This, and this was their place. This is where they. This is their country. But they're almost not. Nobody's even talking about them. We represent 12 to 13 percent of the population. That's it. You would think black people was 50 percent or the majority, the way we're talked about. But that's very important. You have some that want to fight costs because they see it. But like we mentioned earlier, if they're educated and your, once your eyes are open, they can't ever go back close. They can't. Well, I think that's the problem a lot of um, some white allies have is that, you know, they may be, they might support the movement. But a lot of them, not a lot, but there are some that are afraid to even tell their friends like to stop this or stop that or say them because at that time they are the minority within their group if they're around a bunch of like-minded people who don't think as they think then mm-hmm. they might be afraid to speak up which is i think still being part of the problem and also what jeremy said about the social media the uw athletics page <laughs> posted the you know the black picture for the blackout tuesday but when the incident happened on campus with us and with them, with their football players uh, posting that KKK picture and talking about white male empowerment, they didn't issue any apology. They didn't reach out to us to black male empowerment about anything. They didn't address the situation, but they're wiping their foreheads because they want those recruits. And they're like, "Woo, we can we find an opportunity to get in. To the mix, so let's do it. Like Ronnie, Stein, Ronnie Stanley, a black football player, just said that he ca- he doesn't really like the black altitudes they were having because it's allowing people who's not really a part of the movement to, you know, fake it until they make it type mm-hmm. situation. That's very that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, I think anytime against against government, especially the government of the United States, because it's so capitalistic, and I think this can go as far as our next move is. And I think that's what this ride is doing is, is hitting them in their pockets. Yep. They don't want to lose their money. Money, when you have money, you have power yep. in, in, in this kind of society, in this in this capitalistic way. So the the, the one percenters, when they start losing their money, you, you'll, see th- you'll see things starting to change. Like that riot in Minneapolis, I guarantee he wouldn't have been arrested if the riot didn't start. If it was just a of peaceful protest, he yeah. would still be sitting in his home right now with 100 cops outside of his door. Yeah. But as soon as you start hitting them in their pockets, that that's that's where things change. And, and and my thing about it is, is once we hit their pockets, we got to keep it in our pockets. We can't give it back to them. There you go. We can't, we can't riot their store then go spend our money back at their store. That's facts. You know? We gotta, you gotta write that story and use what you just earned to build your own empire. Right now, you you just took a a, a, a mass amount of merchandise. Whatever you do with it, keep that money to yourself and, and keep distributing it in your community. And it's people coming in black communities doing that and are prospering. And that's the thing we can't even do that in our own communities. And it's people coming in, immigrants coming in, or people of other colors coming in and doing that same thing. And we're spending our money at their at their businesses, and so now our money is circulating through their yeah. community and not our own community. Yeah, and they don't. Cool. Say, and they, and those people, nine out of ten times, don't even like black people themselves. <laughs> no, they don't. And and you know what? I just saw a, uh, I just saw a post on Facebook 
uh, a friend of mine, and he posted about the supermarket. And they were talking about here in Chicago, the food for less being torn down. And people were saying, oh, they're not going to bring the food for less back. He said, okay, <clears throat> we're, 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 uh, seven, I mean, we're, we're 70 stimulus checks away from having our own supermarket. And we could be millionaires. You get 70 people together. You can have your own supermarket, own everything. You don't need food for less. Why you worry about? That's a slave mentality. Oh, they not going to come back. So? So what? Now, this is an opportunity for us to open up our own businesses. And I think I said this on one of my other podcasts. While all this rioting is going on, the businesses don't want to come back. See you later. Now, we need to get in there. Mm-hmm. We need you all opportunities. This is our neighborhoods and these are our communities. We need to go in now and we need to take over that. And that's a very valuable point. Carlos, you, that, that's what we need to get into. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah. We got a few more minutes because I'm, I think I'm running that's, down. See, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's like, that's the whole point right there. This country is a capitalist country, but the white man wants to, wants to suppress our knowledge of, you know, of using the capitalist type ways. The, the Walmarts and the Macy's, they leave. We capitalize off of that. We use that lot space, you know, and we make our own stuff. You know, we make our own markets. That's capitalizing that's off, right. of, off, of, off of something. That's, that's, right. that's real capitalism. If you, if if the gas station down the street shuts down because of the riots, open up our own gas station or open up our own corner store, you know, that type of stuff. That's that's real capitalism. And that's what they were afraid of, of us learning, of us capitalizing off of, off of their things, like us capitalizing off of their stuff and making it better. And that's why they were afraid to, you know, educate us. That's why they enslaved us, because they wanted to keep us down so they can have all the power. But now this is the perfect opportunity, like you said. They don't want to come back. Okay, we build our own business. We don't need food for less. We can we can make our own business, you know, give our own food to black people, like you said, so the money can circulate that's through right. our town, you know, like it's 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 and there's enough black there's enough black farmers for us to make that happen. Exactly. Believe that. There's exactly. enough black farmers and other products, hair care products, and things that we could do. And we can I'm, actually pay them, too, because oh, they don't get paid. Oh, well, so of we course. So we can actually pay them. Of course. That's how we circulate the dollars. Exactly. That's how we keep it going. I'm going to go around, give everybody one last shot. Got about got about uh, one minute to go. Carlos, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts? Um, I think just education, educating yourself um, to certain things. Like Justin said, they want to keep us down. Knowledge-wise, let's let's fight that. Fight them, fight them where they want to keep us down at. No doubt. Jer- Justin, Justin, go ahead. Uh, what? One time when just final thoughts. Final uh, thoughts. My final thoughts is, I think we just need to educate ourselves more. I feel like if we educate ourselves more, then people can wake up, and we can, you know create our own businesses, be the be our own police officers in our own neighborhoods, uh, you know, be our own teachers, not just in the city, but, you know, in the suburbs as well, because other kids have to learn about our history as well, so, and I think that's part of the problem as well, like, we, if we don't police our own communities, then, you know, we have those white cops who came from the privileged, you know, suburban area, they don't, they don't know our struggle, so, they have to, they have to, we have to get people who's from that struggle into that neighborhood because they don't know how to handle those situations better. Very good. So I just think that it's small things like that that yeah. just needs to be changed. So, yeah. Oh, wow. You know, that's, that's all I have to say for my final thoughts. Good job. Uh, my final thoughts is just, I want to see what comes from this. I, I'm personally tired of the unjustified killings and I don't know what's next, but. I know that we all need to unify 
I'm talking black people especially, not as all, but we all need to unify and get it together for ourselves. Jeremy? Um, I feel like everybody needs to wake up. I feel like everybody just needs to see everything for what it is. You know, um, these teachers, these, you know, these kids, especially the teachers in the schools because they need to they need to teach this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, and of course, 2020 is going to be in the history books, and this is going to be a big part of it. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. 2020 would definitely be in the history books as something, as, as, as history changing. This is, because it's not just, the protests aren't just happening here. They're happening worldwide. Mm-hmm. They're going on all over the place. I was looking at New Zealand. I was looking at some places in Australia. People are, you know, they're protesting for George Floyd and then that causing that movement all over the world. So, hey, this is your man JT Live right here on the Smoking Section Podcast. I am um, ecstatic to have these, these young men on here to talk about their perspective. This is the youth. This is the young people. And I hope that those out there that are listening today, you listen to the young people talk. Old people, we only here for guidance. Young people are the future. And I, and I will say to, to all the people that are out there, that the naysayers that are talking about what the people should not be doing, listen to these young people talking because they're letting you know what we should be doing. Stop downplaying these people. Stop fall, getting into this mindset of the riots. Like, like we said, use that as opportunities. Y'all talking about what we can't do. Let's make that an opportunity. Let's say, hey, listen, you know what? Food for less is gone. Now it's time to put a business in there. It's time to put our own supermarket in there. It's time for us to control our own destiny. And so we're not shopping at Peace Produce, where it's a majority of, of African Americans shopping in a store that doesn't support black calls and black issues. Let's just get real with it. The jewels and all those stores. Yeah, those stores are nice. They're heavily supported by black people. It's time for us to get our own. But hey, listen, check us out tomorrow, man. We back again. You know, we go five days a week with the Smoker Section Podcast. And um, you guys have a wonderful day. Again, follow our Facebook page, uh, The Smoking Section Podcast. Like our page, follow it, um, and and make sure you tune in. We try to get a lot of content in there as well. We're living in some trying times, and uh, we want to make sure that um, your voices are heard. Everybody stay safe out there, and peace.